Who are you to deny greatness? Yes, you. You there in your home. Or you listening in your car. You who's probably not paying attention because podcast is just background noise. Who are you to deny greatness? And what is, what's kept you from it? You know, what's held you back? Mistakes you've made? Mistakes others have made against you? Is it your inadequacies? Is it where you don't seem to have enough? You know, talent or skill or maybe resources to be great? Is that what, is it maybe something people have said about you or things that you say about yourself? I mean, what keeps you? I think there's a desire for every human person to be great. I really do. Whether it be in the current times or in distant past, the search for more and the hunger for glory are part of the human DNA. I really believe that. Sometimes we search for it at the expense of others, and sometimes we search for it with others in mind. But really the question is, what is greatness, and why do we avoid it, and how can we recapture that? That thought and more on today's episode of the Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader podcast. So this, this question of greatness really, and I talk about this in chapter 11 of Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader, it really started to, um, what's a good word, haunt me? As I was listening to another podcast, Hardcore History, Dan Carlin, so good if you're into history, <clears throat> I could listen to Dan Carlin basically read a phone book. Anyway, he does a great job. And he let off his entire episode with kind of looking at the perspective of it as, as, as time goes on, people begin to, to be looked at in the past as like great people, even though some of the things they may have done in the past weren't so great. And the example was Genghis Khan and all he did. We look at him now and go, wow, <clears throat> he conquested so much. What a great fill in the blank. But at the time, I mean, he did horrible atrocities. And, and, and Dan Carlin was just basically asking the question, how long until you look back? And he was saying, how long until we look back at Hitler as accomplishing something great? You know, it's, he says now, you know, it's too soon. But I think even that's changing. You're seeing different forms of comedy and media look at Nazi Germany in a different way, which is crazy to think about. And as humans, I think we throw around the word greatness a lot because I think it's um, it's a part of us. Uh, I, I was recently, what was I watching? Oh yeah, something about Garth Brooks. Because if you're listening to this, this I've already missed my deadline last week to get this podcast because I was tested positive for COVID and I was so sick. And so I basically dominated Netflix for for like a week. And I watched this two-part documentary on Garth Brooks, which I cried through, but that's none of your business. And it occurred to me as 
he was there was some shot of him and he's in the crowd and people are like um reaching out just to touch him and they're like singing and they're crying and I'm like wow like this is just another dude he's just another guy but in the in the documentary here the like greatest one of the greatest recording artists of all time greatest this greatest that so what is greatness now I'm going to I'm going to just talk about a biblical perspective and how that's, uh, you know, influenced my life. But I, I honestly don't think you can answer that question of, of what is greatness completely. It, it's a great question, and it even comes up for the disciples with Jesus, which I think is typical. I think these conversations that we see um, the disciples have with Christ are so typical to the human conversation. It comes up, Mark chapter 10. It's one of those moments. It's just we refer back to it all the time, really, to trash on the disciples as if we would have asked something different. We 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 so wouldn't. It would have been exactly the same. Think about that for a moment. the The Christian faith proclaims that Jesus, the Maker of all things, is there, and He's interacting with people like you and me, like talking. It's wild. The Bible, which I believe is true, records conversations of Jesus and his followers, moments in time, phrases and stories he said to people as he passed by, and the miracles he performed. I just think that's wild. You know, I think too often we approach the Bible through such a, you know, pedestrian viewpoint, and I think that this is an amazing passage of Scripture, an amazing topic to talk about, greatness. Jesus spoke about this topic himself. You know, he spoke about all kinds of things, large and small. And I'm so glad that the disciples recorded this conversation. It's found in Mark chapter 10. And it's it's a funny story. And it's actually accounted for in a couple different ways in Scripture. But it's basic. Let me just read it. Verse 35, chapter 10. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Don't you just know that these guys are young? Oh, I love how just not politically correct that question is, and it's in front of everybody, so, oh, it's good. Verse 36, and he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? This is Jesus talking. Man. And he said to them, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand, in your glory. So bold. But you got a hand to these guys. I mean, they had some guts asking this question. And what I was telling you earlier, Matthew 20 actually records this, except it records their mother asking the question, which I think is awesome. Um, I've told this story before as I, as I was speaking. And my mom, one time I was walking out from school and this bully came up behind me and like smacked me on the back of the head. But what he didn't realize is my mom was like right in front of us waiting in the car. And my mom came out and just unleashed all the anger of all mothers around the world. They like all the spirits of all the mothers were with my mom. And she was like, don't you touch my son. <laughs> it was awesome. And I wasn't embarrassed. I don't know about James and John. Maybe they would have been embarrassed. Um, unless they asked their mom to do it, like the equivalent of me, like going in the car and asking my mom to get out and deal with the bully. That's different. James and John, if you're listening, how could you? Anyway, verse 38, Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. 
Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? I mean, that statement is massive. And we will never really probably understand it on this side of, of eternity. The God of the universe basically saying, you don't know what you're asking. You know, like, if I were to say yes, you have no idea what that would mean for you. That sends shivers down my spine. The thought of Jesus, the Alpha Omega, saying something like that is crazy, you know, because the chasm between all that Jesus knows and all we think we know is really vast. Okay, so the conversation continues. Verse 39, and they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the 10 heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. They are mad. Obviously, duh. Jesus knows what's coming for him, but they don't. And Jesus knows what's coming for them, but they, they don't. They have no idea. But the revelation that comes from his mouth are words that we should pay very close attention to. And as a worship leader, you know, there, there have been times where I have wanted certain things in a certain way, and I've asked for them, and not just worship leader, as a person. And I wonder how many times this has been the response of the Spirit, like, you don't know what you're asking, but Jesus doesn't abandon them there. Listen, uh, the account continues. Verse 42, and Jesus called to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers, you can say great, and he'll go on to say, of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. The message version, Eugene Peterson writes it like this, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, he said, and when people get a little power, how quickly it goes to their heads. It's not going to be that way with you. So what's Jesus saying? He says, you don't know what you're talking about, first of all. They really didn't know. And we don't know what greatness really is either. Still, at least not what it is to Jesus. Greatness is so confusing for us. We give that title to people all the time because we are constantly redefining greatness. In the book, I talk about how we're even we're always searching for the next great person instead of trying to be a great person ourselves. And the reason why we don't naturally attribute greatness to ourselves is because we, we, we see it on outward form from all kinds of people. Even now with what's going on in our country, even now, we're looking and we're waiting for the next great leader. We were telling people, be more like Martin Luther King, or we're telling people, this is the leader you need to vote for, instead of seeing, asking, praying, dwelling on who God is asking us to be as individuals. There is no great leader coming that's greater than the person of Jesus Christ. Not coming. Not this election. Not the next. And keep in mind, our perspective on greatness changes over time. Many of, many people, many, 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 many people did not think Martin Luther King was great. But on this side of his death, 
we're able to look back with 2020 vision and go, wow, look what he was doing. Look how he was doing it. But in the moment, it's a different story. Let's not forget that he was killed. Even Jesus himself, when we look backwards, we go, wow. But while he was here, he hung on a cross in front of a lot of people. And so this idea of greatness and us searching for it outside of ourselves is a big deal. But these two guys are like, no, we want to be at your right and left. We, we want to be great. You know, most of the people who God considers great, I don't think we're ever going to know until we're with the Lord. Because what makes us great down here on earth doesn't make us great there in heaven. That has to be true. It has to be true. To us, greatness is title, position, and accomplishment, wealth, other surface things, also things that can go in a minute. And what happens most often when we get this version of greatness is we use it to rule people, to control people and boost ourselves. And I'm guilty of this. And I'm guessing you have been guilty of this every once in a while too. And Jesus knows exactly the type of greatness that we sometimes see modeled for us. He And he doesn't want his disciples to miss the bigger picture. And he also doesn't want his disciples to think that they should not be striving for greatness. This is important to me. This is the whole idea behind this chapter. Jesus gives us his definition and direction on greatness, but then invites us in. Listen carefully. Jesus said, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Let me be honest with you. I, in the past and for a long time, I did not like this part. I really didn't. I thought it was just maybe almost like a cop-out. You know, like, uh, no. If you want to be great, serve somebody. That's not great. <laughs> no, I mean, that's not very fun. That's not the greatness that I'm talking about, right? Jesus is like, gather around. Come around. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, if you want to be great. And they're like, uh-huh. If you want to be first, everybody's like, oh, here it comes. Become a servant. What? Become a slave. Excuse me? Give your life as a ransom like me. And everybody's just so disappointed, right? You have to be so disappointed. I often think it's like these guys that are on social media and traveling around and they're like giving you, because I wrote a book, I like did a bunch of research on like best way to self-publish and I signed up for things and they're like, if you want to self be the New York Times bestseller in one month, fill this out. Or if you want to sell 50 million books and da-da-da, fill this out. You know, everybody has like the way. And I think that's probably what the disciples were hoping for. And then Jesus just totally pulls the rug out from under that because he knows our hearts. So here's how I, I first read that passage for a long time. You can't be great like those guys. So instead, serve people and it'll be great. You can't be great like those guys, so instead, serve people, and it'll be great. Have you ever taken just one full day to serve people? It can be rough. It can be humbling, and it can lead to some very behind-the-scenes moments. So then why? Why this, Jesus? Why did Jesus say this and teach this? I think two reasons for sure. The first is he loves you, and he loves me. 
Verse 45, for, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So uh, Jesus comes to serve us. That's what the Bible says. We probably, in the same way we don't fully understand the word greatness, we also probably don't truly fully understand the word serve. And probably the only way to experience both of those at, at their highest level is to follow Christ. But he loves you and he loves you enough and he loves you and I enough to say, trust me, I know you think you want that version of greatness and life, and you could probably get it, but trust me, that's not what you want. You see, where I come from, greatness is honored in a different way, and I'd like you to see it. But in order to do that, you must follow me. That is the message of Christ. Listen, I know you think things, life, the world, and everything works this way because that's what you can see. But if you can just trust me, I come from a place that's beyond this place where the fuller picture is available, but you have to follow me to get there. And Jesus surely loves us enough to come and give us that lesson. And he wants to save us from the pursuit of prestige and lead us into something else. And the second reason is because, and this is important, this is the whole idea about why I wrote this chapter, is he wants you to be great. And I think that this is lost somewhere. This is lost somewhere in raising kids, making a paycheck, safety, uh, fear. We have lost the idea that God wants you to be great. Jesus is not saying not to be great. He's saying quite the opposite. He isn't putting out the fire. He's the one that put the fire there. And God isn't against us being great. He's for it. And I think the choice not to pursue greatness is, is lines up more with, how, how do I say that? The, the choice not to pursue greatness is choosing to not be who God made you to be. Why? Because Jesus is the greatest person to ever live. Why? Because of the work he did on the cross. And then he said, what should we do? Follow us. It's not like Jesus doesn't know James and John. He knows. He nicknamed them the sons of thunder. I'm so jealous of that. I want a nickname as long as it's cool. You know, God is more invested in how we come to know greatness than he is in working towards stopping you from experiencing it. I, I really believe that. Jesus has given us the ultimate definition of greatness, the only true definition. The work God wants to do, th yeah, you know, I said this earlier about as we're like so hungry for the next great leader. The work that God wants to do in this time, this is just Jordan. This is what I believe. I, I believe that the work that God wants to do in this day will not be done by a great person, but it will be done by a great people. We've had our fill of the quote-unquote next great person. It's time to be a great people, a people who know what the word greatness really means from Mark chapter 10, because they know the one who it comes from, Jesus, a people who know what that word looks like in action. It looks like Christ. And I think if we get that, it doesn't matter who you are, teacher, worship leader, minister, garbage man, plumber, baseball coach, friend, if we can get this version of greatness, the things, and I know, forgive me for that word, the things, 
that we're involved in, the places in which we live, the spheres in which we are existing will get better if everyone stops waiting for someone and decides to be that someone. These are just normal guys. But they could feel it just by being around Christ. I think this is so great. Just by being around him, they were like, whoa, something's a stir in me. Because if greatness is as Jesus says it is, that true greatness is serving and loving one another, and that he himself left all the majesty that we could ever imagine to come here and live and die for us, to serve us, to heal us, to redeem us, if that's greatness, and he modeled it for us, then who are you and I to deny it? When Jesus says, come follow me, he isn't saying, come follow me to a life of dullness. Because he's not dull. He's saying, come, let me help you experience greatness in a way that both builds the kingdom in heaven and on earth. And I talked about this in a sermon recently. And I just asked, you know, what's keeping you from stepping into this? What have people said about you? Jesus says something better, you know, and it's just time. It's, it's time to grow in this area. Um, I was looking for a page here to read from the book, but I think I've said it. Um, let me just read the closing thought. It says, I've wondered if everybody has these similar thoughts. Does everyone want greatness? Does everyone have something inside that because it's written in their DNA, he or she cannot help but want to achieve something great with their life? I have no idea, but I do know that I have a desire to capture greatness, even if it's just for a moment. I think true greatness is found when your abilities line up with the will of the Father who made you. It's in a moment when you find yourself in balance with the will of God, like two lines running parallel to each other, even if just for a second. Greatness is available through the person of Jesus. I love it. Greatness awaits. True. So, as we continue to gather together, as we, you know, navigate whatever it is we're navigating, man, I would, I would challenge you. Take a look at your life. What have you given up on? And what does Jesus think about that? And what are some things that God wants to use you? The change that we're looking for in this earth on any level with any issue, part of it is in the mirror. And that goes for you and me. And if we were sitting with Jesus and you and I somehow had enough guts to say, hey, we want you to do <laughs> whatever it is um, we ask. Maybe it would be great if we had enough guts to ask that type of question because some of those, to us, weird questions, outlandish questions, get some great answers from Christ. And I was just, uh, I haven't been able to talk or sing at all in those last three weeks because it was tough to breathe from the COVID-19 and I just had my guitar today and I was singing and I, because Garth Brooks was on my brain, I started singing that song, The River. And uh, I highly suggest you listen to it. Um, but one of the lyrics is, too many times we stand beside and let the water slip away and what we put off till tomorrow has now become today. So don't you sit upon the shoreline and say you're satisfied Choose to chance the rapids and dare to dance the tide. 
first of all, so good. Two, so true. And with Christ um, as the captain of that ship on the river, there's much ahead of you. And uh, I just want to be one person in your life that tells you you are really, truly destined for something great. You have to delete the narrative that says that's not true of you and that something on the timeline has already passed and therefore you're out. No. Um, God has something great for you because God's invited us to serve. And there is no door that God can't open when we follow in His will. It's really it's really true. So thank you so much and uh, good to be back with you. And I hope that you can go over to jordanbn.com and subscribe and maybe share it with somebody. All our stuff got hijacked, so we're rebooking our book club and um, because uh, my schedule is totally um, put on pause. But I'd love for you to head over there and uh, read some stuff. Leave me a comment. Let me know you're listening. Uh, as we lead and grow together, let's stand shoulder to shoulder on the front lines together. God's up to something. Let's not miss it. I'll see you there. <laughs>